Welcome everybody to Way of the Blade, the podcast. I am your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the greatest bloody matches in professional wrestling history, and a writer on the Segunda Caída blog. I am pleased to be joined by my friend, Daniel Makabe, one of the most talented professional wrestlers in the world. And we are here to discuss uh, one of the legendary matches in professional wrestling history. Like, I, I think probably a match that would make a lot of people's top 10, top 15, if they've ever seen it. Uh, Akira Hokuda versus Shinobu Kandori from April 2nd, 1993, Dream Slam. A great match. Daniel, it's always a pleasure to have you on and talk to you about wrestling, my friend. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. That was a very uh, complimentary introduction you did uh, in, in regards to me and, and also in regards to the match itself, which I fully agree with that statement. That's both of them. You fully agree both with those. both of them. <laughs> I mean, if you catch me on a good day, I, I agree about uh, what you said about, about myself. Yes, absolutely. I, I do have <laughs> that much confidence in my own work. But uh, certainly uh, any day of the week, I'll, I'll agree with you that this match is – I think it's one of my ten favorite matches ever. Like, it has to be. It's it's obscenely good. And uh, – and yeah, no thing. Am I the first uh, two-time guest on this show? I just want to uh, throw th- that out there. I think you. Well, I had Dan the Dragon Wilson on. Oh, I guess uh, yeah, Reverend they, Dan Wilson on twice is sort of almost like a two-parter. Yes, I guess uh, that's true. So I guess that he would technically be the first two-time that's, guest. That's fine. I like Dan. Uh, we uh, we shared a locker room with one another fairly recently. So yeah, I like Dan Wilson. And uh, is there that's like good a, com- that's good company to be in? So yeah. So outside Dan Wilson, but again, that was sort of like a, almost a designed two-parter. Like it aired on consecutive weeks. Uh, you, this you're my first like return that isn't sort of a. Uh, you know, just coming in and talk about two completely different matches, and, and uh, so yeah, that, that's I I I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of that. I I beat Eric, so that's cool. You beat Eric. <laughs> I probably have Eric back on at some point soon. Uh, uh, you know, but yeah, we 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 wanted to talk about this match. We talked about last time. We talked about if uh, folks are listening to this, want to check out our conversation about Ikeda Ishikawa. This is a similarly brutal and violent match although brutal and violent in a different way right uh that i think is one of the great minimalist professional wrestling matches of all time this is one of the great maximalist professional wrestling matches of all time this match is very big very emotive very i mean it's in a huge building and they're playing to the all the edges of the building um and you know so it's those are both things i kind of am into i can enjoy i really enjoy something a little Minimalist, but I, you know, I like when wrestling, you know, blows it out too, right? This is a blockbuster. Yeah, this is it is a blockbuster. Like certainly in in length, it's probably the you know doubles the length of the of the match we we watched last time. Um, but in some ways, for me, it, it is you know certainly it's not minimalist in that it's not like Futen where it's in like a a small venue with three hundred people. It's you know it's Yokohama Arena. It's sixteen thousand people. It's it's not the main event, which is crazy to me. It's always been crazy that it's not the main event of that show. But um, it's, what's the it, main it, event of this show? It's the um, um, Toyota and um, oh, what's her partner's name? Yamada. Uh, sorry, say that again. Yamada. Yeah, Toyota and Yamada versus um, the FMW girls. Uh, oh. Combat Toyota and and uh, Megumi Kudo is the main event of the of Dream Someone. So. I bet that was okay. Um, I bet that wasn't as good. It wasn't as good as this. I don't it wasn't know. as good as this. No, this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess there is no 
there is nothing as good as this. Is this the greatest women's wrestling match of all time? I think so. I think so. Like, I, I, I'm sure there's people who, I mean, the problem is like that early nineties run of all Japan women is so like insane. Like, um, you know, just the amount of great matches all those girls were having. But, um, for me, this ages so much better than a lot of that, uh, era's work because, um, uh, kind of the point I, I, I was going to be making is that like, uh, yes, it's, it's not uh, minimalist in, in a certain sense, but for me, they, they get so much out of, um, some really like, like so little, like, you know, it's when it comes down to it, you know, it's, it centers around a punch. It centers around an arm bar, you know, uh, yes, there's a tombstone on a table. That's a big part of it as well. So I guess that's, that's not minimalist, but, uh, but you know, then it just comes down to the just the the drama of it, you know. And it, I love how they get so much out of um, so little, and and they sell everything so well. And and for me, that's why it ages so much better than so much of that era style, which is is go 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 and and taking big moves and then just kind of popping back up and and moving on to the next sequence, right? So yeah, I was never. I was always kind of an all Japan women low voter as a critic, even when a lot of this stuff was going on. Yeah. Like I was kind of like, I don't know, man, that's, that's a lot of moves for not a lot of selling. And I, you know, and, uh, my, and, you know, I, in some ways maybe my, um, my Nami Toyota won wrestling, right. Cause I think, you know, that style is certainly a style that has taken over a lot of pro wrestling, right. You don't, you see a lot more stuff that's, Closer to Minami Toyota Kyoko Inoue than this match, uh, without the I mean the skill of Minami Toyota and Kyoko Inoue obviously were insanely you know talented athletes. Um, although you know, certainly, certainly yes. a lot of the great wrestlers today are too, but I, you know I think that style seems to be the style that won over this style. But I, this stuff, the stuff, the really violent uh, stuff, the Aja Kong, Hota, Kendori, that was always my my jam when it came to to Joshi where it was just like, all right, all the top rope drop kicks are nice, but I like seeing this kick to the face is the kind of thing I would do. That's fair. I, I, I mean, I first, uh, I became acquainted with this stuff, uh, you know, partially due to the, you know, the writings of you and your contemporaries, you know, discovering, discovering that uh, as a teenager and, and then wanting to seek this stuff out. Um, and I think I was kind of equally intrigued by, by it all. Like it, it, you know, they, they talk about how wrestling is like a, should be like the circus or the carnival or whatever, and kind of offer a little bit of everything. Right. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if, if uh, the nineties Joshi uh, really did that, but they kind of did. Cause they did have, you know, the girls who would work a mile a minute and then you'd have you know matches like this that were you know knockdown drag out wars right so yeah. they they did they did a little bit of everything um, and you know and they they have they touch on shoot style like this match touches on shoot style I think there's a lot of similarities uh, to that Futon match that we um, you know we covered with these two that like Kendori obviously has the the decorated background and you know she would go on to do some you know primitive MMA and 
and uh, really work that style. Right, that, she was a bronze medalist in world champion judoka. Judo, yeah. Um, um, and worked and, uh, worked a very like. I mean, her initial gimmick in pro wrestling was like, I'm a shooter who's going to beat up all these fake wrestlers. Like she was yeah. one of the first. She was she was like really early on that thing. I mean, I you know I've, I I always the comparison that, I've, that I think I've used and heard uh, for her is that she's sort of similar to Lesnar. Like I think kind of like a mix of almost like Yoshiaki Fujiwara and Lesnar. Yeah, which is a great mix. That's I mean, an that's, amazing mix, honestly, yeah. and that's a good comparison. The one thing though is like. I guess we have, you know, as a predecessor to her, we do have like all those, you know, the UWFs, right? But like, I was thinking about it as I was rewatching the match today, and like, Pancrase isn't a thing yet, and UFC isn't a thing yet as this match is happening. And yet, every time she goes for an armbar, the audience is like educated and they know, like, okay, this is serious because, you know, they establish it nice and early. Like, right off the get-go, you know, Hokuto punches her in the face, and the way she answers it back is, like, trying to break her arm off. And that kind of sets the tone. Like, you know, I, I love how they establish it so early, and then every time they go back to it, like, it's over. And, like, the, the fans know that, like, oh, this means something. This is dangerous, right? I, and uh, and then, obviously, they know her rep, right? So, um yeah, that that's just that's getting maximum maximum results out of very you know very little really yeah. in in the grand scheme of things, which yeah. I, I love. Yeah, and Kandori, um, you know, I think that, and I'm not an expert in the the politics of '80s women's wrestling in Japan, but the story with Kandori is that that uh, she joined JWP. And the and Jack, Jackie Sato, who was like the you know big you know Japanese star of the mid '80s, who formed JWP, uh, tried they they got into an uh, altercation in the ring, and she beat Sato so badly that uh, Sato was forced into retirement, and that was how she left JWP. She left JWP by beating the owner so badly that she was forced to retire. So she was definitely had a, a rep of somebody who, you know, <laughs> fuck, you know, like, would, no would, could do that, would do it. I mean, you know, like, uh, so, uh, and like, you know, I think there was a story that Sato went after her eye and that was the reason. I mean, I, you know, it's unclear exactly who was the, the who bad. Who was the, in, the instigator. Right. Yeah, yeah sure. And, uh, but uh, so she had a, she had that kind of Maida rep as somebody who could, if, if need, need be, might just decide to do something very different than what was planned, um, which I think adds to this match a little bit because obviously Hokuta is so destroyed. And, you know, so the idea of Kandori is somebody who could be, you know, this is interpromotional, right, certainly could be not cooperating and beating her. But obviously nothing about this match was worked like that. You know, I don't, but, but you know, I could think that, the fact that she had that rep and that Hokuta is obviously, you know, as bloody in this match as almost anybody in any match ever. Right. Yeah, I like I don't know, like I think they the two of them really do a great job of like emoting that they like have a lot of like hate for them for one another. Like and it it starts like before the match even starts, they're like yelling at each other on the microphone. Um so I don't know if that's all just a work or, or if there actually is heat there. Like, 
I, I, if it's, if it's all the work, like kudos to them, they did an amazing job of kind of really sucking people in to that moment, you know? Um, but, uh, well, interpromotional Japanese wrestling, especially back then, that's just the best stuff, right? It's the best. Cause you it's know, you, you do get this sense of where things aren't a hundred percent smooth and cooperative and, you know, whether it's Tenro and uh, in war in New Japan, or it's the UWF New Japan stuff, or or this, uh, the you know Queen Dory representing LLPW and and Hoka re- representing all Japan women. I mean, it always is like you get a sense of you know, well, we'll wrestle each other, but I you know I'm not gonna, I you know my stuff might land a little harder, right? It, or I'm gonna maybe not go completely over for your moves to make it look clean and pretty. It's always it's always nice when you have you know and I don't know if this just is convenient for this example but like uh, like the UWF uh, you know multiple eras of the UWF New Japan feuds because there's the '80s one and there's also the UWFI one but um, where where one of the the participants is uh, they got that kind of sh- that shoot edge to them you know right like they they have that that vibe of we you know we don't you know, we don't participate and we don't, you know, we're not, uh, we're not doing this fake stuff, you know? So that right, always kind of adds a whether, bit of a gravitas to it, right? Yeah. It's unclear whether that was as much when all Japan, I mean, the, all the dream slam shows were interpromotional stuff, uh, exclusively that may not have been in the JWP versus all Japan women matches as much. Although dynamite Kansai certainly had that aura about her, but Kid yes. Dory, every time she's in a match, she's there. There's that chance, right? This and he's, is, this and, is and, true, and he's she certainly is great here. Although again, like it's, it's there's nothing about this that isn't professional uh, wrestlers professionally wrestling, right? I don't, I, you know, I don't get the sense at any point in this match that there is a discommunication or uncooperation no, at all. Like, I, these I don't, are I don't absolute. Think so yeah, there, I mean, there's some like there's some stiff shots certainly. Like uh-huh. there's multiple moments where Hokuto is just grabbing her by the hair and just like slapping her across the face, and. Uh, and uh, I noticed, you know, more so more than ever, like one thing that I love that Kandori does multiple times during the match when she's kind of taking control and really establishing herself is she'll like, she'll just drive her knee into like Hokuto's like onto her chest or like up against her neck, like while she's cranking down on holds or even if she's just working to try and get a hold or, you know, they work towards a rope break, she's driving that knee in like an and. That's you know I can tell you that doesn't feel nice. You no, know? I like, imagine it must fucking suck to wrestle yeah. uh, to wrestle Shinobu Kandori. You I, know what I mean? Like I, she might not injure you. She might injure you, but she might not. But even if she doesn't injure you, it's like yeah, she's gonna be like when she's pulling at that arm, she's pulling at that arm. She, she's gonna make you work. Yeah, she's gonna make you work. And like uh, I'm, I'm sure, like you know, these girls are professional, and so like I don't think they're like. Uh, you know, if they're giving each other opportunities, but like, yeah, they're, they're, uh, the one thing is there's not really a ton of, you know, it, when Kandori gets on a hold, it's not like, uh, okay, now here's your opening. You can counter on me and get you, you know, get up on me. Like they do a really good job of like, no, Kandori is like the, the expert when it comes to submissions here. Right. And like, Hogan's got to get to the ropes or she's going to submit. Yeah, and and almost every single time she gets out of a hold, it's yeah, like she gets to the ropes, or maybe she like will like she'll slap her way out of it, you know. But it's not like 
she's not out techniquing Kandori. That's not the story being told here at all. Right. So, so it's a, you know, the story of her whole career is, is this somebody who has, you know, more heart than anyone else, right? I mean, that's what the dangerous queen is, right? It's not even as much that she's dangerous. Yeah. But, but the fact that she's, you know, wrestled with a broken neck and that she, uh, you know, tore, tear, you know ra- tears her knee and just wraps it in, in tape. And they called her the mummy because, you know, like she's somebody who just didn't, doesn't, you know, does not care about her own well-being at all. And that's what's dangerous. Yeah, right? and, like a, and, I mean, she's, she can has a, go, a very good offensive wrestler, but it's not like, oh my God, Ho, what's Hoka going to do to me? It's like, what's she going to do to herself? And uh, what's she so willing much, to do to win a match? And not only is it like a yeah, that comes into play where like yeah, she'll take a lot of punishment. Like you're quite right. You know, she she has the the famous broken neck really like early on in her career, and. You know what's the, what's the centerpiece of this match? It's that tombstone on the table where you can see the dent left in the table af- after the fact, right. which is is so brutal, and it's what leads to the you know the blood, which is why we're talking about this match, obviously, um, right. where Hokuto does one of the the all time epic blade jobs off of that tombstone. Right. Well, she uh, doesn't. I well, think she the story, doesn't. Even, she doesn't right. do she, it. She right? doesn't even do it. You 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 know tell the story there. Yeah, I mean that that she was bladed uh, apparently by Wally Yamaguchi, who was like a I don't and I don't know why because I don't usually, sometimes usually when other people blade you and there's like maybe you're afraid to do it or something like that I don't get that sense about it. No. but for whatever reason she gets bladed by Wally Yamaguchi and like uh, oftentimes the absolute worst blade jobs are when somebody else does it to you right because well, it's Steve Kern on telling that just. Uh, awful story of getting it's an bladed. amazing it's a great story oh, but yes, a, I, a I harrowing story crin- cringing listening to that that was awful but um you know from my limited of experiences you know i've bladed maybe three times in my life i either you couldn't pay me enough to have someone do it for me like right. no way that's especially happening. i mean with Kurt, it was jonathan boyd <laughs> yeah. like that, that, that you know i mean sure i'm sure he had eight beers before he came to the, I mean, that, that sort of reckless lunatic. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would, you know, I wouldn't want Jonathan Boyd to try to fix my lawnmower, much less try to cut me with a razor blade on my forehead. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I think that's part of the reason that this is so crazy is because, uh, because this was a bit of an, I mean, I had, I had uh, Dustin wrote when I had Dustin Rhodes on the pod a couple weeks ago, he talked about how he had been so long since he bladed that he cut himself too too deeply in their match. Um, yeah. And you if, know, if you're not, if you're not in regular practice, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's been a couple of years for me. I'm sure if I ever did it again, I'd be pretty gun shy. I wouldn't be uh, trying to cut my own head off, but, and Kendori, you know, Kendori bleeds in this match as well too, but it's, it's uh, by comparison, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty minimal, but yeah, it's, she, she was smart not to try to outdo I mean, no. you see that sometimes with great bleeders when their opponent's bleeding a lot. You almost get the sense like they say, "Well, I can't be the number yeah, two." Hold, the, hold, hold, hold my beer. Of, yeah, exactly. Of jobs. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always get the sense whenever Tommy Rich was in a match and his opponent was bleeding a lot, that Tommy Rich would always be like, "No, no, no, no. This is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. the guy who bleeds to death. 
not you. So we're going to see what I can, you know. But yes, Kidori's got a nice one. It's a nice little centered in the middle of her forehead. It's good looking, but it's not at the level of, you know, Ogunu, who really is just, her hair is com- almost completely red by the end of this match. And especially early, right after it happens, she really is like just, she looks like, I mean, she looks like it's Carrie. She looks like Carrie at the prom. Uh, yeah, it, it's honestly like full face. Like you can't even make out some of the features on her face. And then, yeah, this is where her having the bleached hair um, really comes comes into play. And that's not something you see a ton in Japanese wrestling because obviously, you know, how many wrestlers historically have had bleached hair over there? I mean, there's been some, but um, but yeah, you know, it's... Um, she she literally has like red tips like all along her hair like it looks like it was a like it was a, a fashion choice you know yeah kind of like a badass punk haircut with the red with the red tips like yeah. her and Bonacato went to whatever the punk uh, hairstylist in Tokyo was to yeah. get it on Nakato got the got the mohawk and she got the red tips but it was in fact just Wally Yamaguchi uh, uh, going too deep for whatever reason. And he's not even the referee for the match, right? He's just I think he's like, a ringside photographer. Just an onlooker, yeah. What a weird choice. I don't <laughs> even know. It's Wally Yamaguchi yeah. is, is passed on, right? I believe he passed away yeah. recently, yeah, like within the last year. Too bad. It would have been, he would have been a good guest for this, and he could explain exactly what the fuck he was doing. No kidding. No <laughs> like, kidding. Like, explain to me exactly why you did that, Wally. It's not like I can get Hokuta on the you know, bottom of the Prob- ocean. English, she speaks, probably speaks perfect English, but still not necessarily easy. Well, I would say even if she spoke perfect English, she would not let on to you that she does. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> she didn't necessarily want to do my podcast, but yes. So, uh, but I, I mean, it is, it is a strange choice. I don't know why she did that. And, and you know, and she sort of, this is one of those matches where, you know, even the, this is kind of feels like there are no winners, only losers. Like Hokuto wins the match. With just like a straight right hand, uh, like a great looking straight right hand, and uh, but you know it obviously it doesn't feel like there are anybody who wins this match, right? They both kind of come away with it, uh, you know, looking much much like you know they so somebody survived this, but the, nobody and, won it. And that's exactly it's like one of those like uh, PSAs about uh, about war, how like no one really wins when when it comes to war you have these two women and yeah like uh, th- literally the last five minutes I, I it's wild because they work this super hot pace to start i mean it's a 30 minute match right i think it goes just over 30 um and the last five minutes are it, it just becomes this like knockdown drag out i know you're a boxing guy so i'll make the you know the boxing analogy that like the 15th round or whatever uh and because it's it's literally Hokuto punches her, knocks her down. There's like a beat, and then Kendori punches her, knocks Hokuto down. There's a beat, and then they punch each other simultaneously, and they just crack each other. They both go down, and Hokuto just has enough in her to to crawl over and make the cover. That's the finish, and I, I just think there's something so amazing and 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 simple, but you know, so great in, in how violent it is. It's such a, it's a fitting conclusion to the work that they put in, in the 30 previous minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, really, how could I talk about a crazy thing to do is just decide that what I'm going to, is I'm just going to try to have a, a 
fist fight with Shinobu Kandori. That's with how the toughest, with the toughest woman in, in Japanese wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the at this point probably one of the toughest women on earth. Yeah, right. I mean, I think she was an early, you know, MMA person and won some of those fights, but didn't win all of them. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I think she lost. There was like a giant. She lost to like a three hundred and seventy pound like judoka. Yeah, like yeah. a Russian one ju- female judoka, right? Like yeah. That so uh, you know, which I'm pretty sure she got her win back in a pro wrestling match too. I would, I would hope, right? I mean, like you know, yeah. Got to do you, you know, it's business is business, right? But that's gonna, like that's some true Enochiism right there. Yeah, or something, you, you, you know, make yeah. sure. Sorry, right, beat me to shoot. Come here's some money. Come put me over and uh, uh, try. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up what that woman is. Svetlana something, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. I was gonna say that that reminds me though, you know, a point I was gonna make earlier. We we're talking about the dangerous queen is is how much damage. You know, not only how much damage is she willing to take, but like there are multiple dives that she does in this match where she just like she does that one of the the craziest dives I've ever conceived is that drop kick from the top rope to the floor where her feet hit Kandori and then she just hits the the floor itself. Like yeah, uh, that was a Minami Toyota spot too. Just just uh, Suzuki Suzuki did it too. Just yeah. so stupid because it's like you know. You're taking oh, that. You're taking that. It's, it's That's awful. all you, right? Like, yep. I mean, it, yep. it hurts a little bit, I guess, to the other person. I, I'm looking at it now. She technical mixed martial arts record is four and one. Okay. Uh, That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Unclear, right? Is this, it, you know, it's, it's Japanese. Were these all on LOPW shows? Yes. Or were they? They're all okay. on LOPW shows. She lost to Svetlana Gordienko and then beat Svetlana Gordienko, which is listed, I guess, as an MMA win. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe she's we, got might an, have to, we might have to investigate this. Yeah, she's yeah. got an MMA win over Hoda. That that's an MMA fight. I don't. Those I mean, Hoda fought MMA. They could have. They uh, could. They could have had a real fight. They I mean, maybe sure. They had some great wrestling matches against each yeah, other. No they were kidding. they were incredible opponents in pro wrestling. I don't yep. feels like I it feels like I mean you know, I think you have to look at almost all MMA records in, of that period with some with a with a raised eyebrow and LLPW Ultimate yes. L one tourney wins. Uh, you know maybe even maybe even more than most. Right? I mean what's Takata's MMA record. None of those fights were real. Well, I mean, he's he's an example. Yeah, I don't know if he a, any fight that he had that was real. I don't think he won, but um, yeah, he definitely has has some very notable fixes on his record for sure. Um, you know, the two fights versus uh, Hickson are obviously real, but uh, uh, but he was on the losing end of those, so. But yeah, I mean, there there were some legitimately very good uh, MMA fighters who came out of pro wrestling. You know, Sakuraba being the obvious one. Tamara was a very good fighter. He just didn't really, you know, take to it until much later in life when he was maybe a little too old. But um, I mean, Brock so, Lesnar won the UFC heavyweight title. That's true. That's true. I mean, yeah. he would he would certainly count, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, he definitely would. It's I mean, it's, at that point, you know, MMA has evolved so much from. You know, basically, it was what they were doing 
to train for pro wrestling in the nineties is what was, you know, passed down, you know, through from Carl Gotch down to, to all the splinters. Right. So it was just, um, it was basically pro wrestling, you know, it was just, okay, we do it for real now. <laughs> right. And yeah. And, and again, even though I mean, I talked to, I talked to John Snowden, who obviously knows the stuff better than I do uh, on a pod, uh, uh, when we talked about, um, the, uh, was it oh. Fujiwara and Yamazaki? No, it was Nakano Funaki. Oh, um, yeah, same. Yeah, both of those matches are unreal. So. Yeah, uh, but you know, with the idea of Funaki, obviously goes in and starts Pancras, and you know, he, John, who you know did a lot of research on this, he obviously wrote that Ken Shamrock book. He said a lot of those, you know, people will never really know, but a lot of those Pancras fights were, you know. There oh, were definitely. agreements being made all definitely. up and down. And, and the, you know, there's lots of whispering about, like, people being carried and, you know, guys throwing fights, like carrying someone and then being like, okay, now it's my time to, to do the job. Um, but, like, I, I mean, I know firsthand examples of people I've met who who did pre preconceived jobs in Pancrase. So, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, that... that you know, all the, all for the era though, those were like the the best. You know, if you threw any of those guys, Suzuki, Funaki, Shamrock. You know, if you threw them in UFC, I think they're going to do better than a lot of the. Well, Shamrock did, right? I mean, he, he, I mean, he did. You know, but but he came up against you know like uh, you know Hoist in, in their first fight, obviously, and Hoist you know used the gi to choke him out. Um, and then Shamrock, you know, had a lot of injuries, which kind of took him out of later tournaments and stuff. But some some uh, uh, lifestyle issues as well. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's that as well too. Yeah, that that those things go part and parcel with '90s MMA. It was kind of the Wild West. So, uh, yeah, and um, and the other thing with that is, I mean, right now there are a lot of uh, people who are fighting uh, in MMA fights getting paid very, very little money on things that can have often have a lot of betting on them. Yes. So I just common sense tells you that, that there's probably a fair number of fixed fights in, in the UFC. It just the, you know, human nature, it doesn't make any sense for people who are getting, I mean, those undercard, they do not pay undercard fighters in the UFC very much money at all, even compared to what like undercard boxers make. Yeah. Uh, and even like people who main event shows don't even get paid very much. Uh, so you know when you add that to the fact that you've got sports books putting you know lots of money on these fights. I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. But I'm just. I was going to say this is turning into a conspiracy theory par- podcast. But, yeah, uh, even, but no. But it, I think you're. I think you're. I think that's quite right that there. There's likely some of that going on for sure. You're telling me with all the votes Trump got, that Biden got way more votes than him? Come on, Dean. <laughs> no, I'm, can, I'm Canadian, so I voted for neither. So. Okay, yeah, no, but I'm just fucking around, obviously. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, they, uh, yes, so the Jordan is, I don't know about those Kandori MMA fights, but she was certainly a fearsome uh, uh, wrestler. And a really, and the more I, you know, as I, you know, watch more wrestling and, and my ch- tastes. Be- I mean, I think what happens when you get older is you just become more of who you are, right? Like, you know, you get to be my age, you just so like, my, even in wrestling tastes, it's like, there's going to be more of my thing 
of that I do. You just you dig your heels in, and it's like, no, this is what I like, and this is what I want to watch going forward. And and I think at this point, Ken Dory's my number one woman's wrestler of all time. First, this this is that connects with me, uh, and and what she does, and her whole thing. Uh, She's my favorite. I don't know that. I think you know the sort of '90s conventional wisdom on this. Match was oh man, wasn't it what an amazing job Hokuto did of carrying Kandori? That's horseshit, right? Like, she this match in a lot, I mean, is a I don't think this this match is a, a, a wonderful uh balance and meld of what both of these women do so well, but this is a Kandori uh match as much as it is, or even more than it is a Hokuto match, right? I, I, I think it's a good melding of their styles, like, like. Obviously, uh, you know, there's so much of it is centered around Kandori's skills and the submissions and, and putting over how dangerous she is. But then, you know, it becomes like a full-on brawl. They, they go up into the stands. You've got uh, Hokuto diving onto her. Even the fact that, you know, the, the, the blood, you know, all of those feel like more in the, the veins of like big match, all Japan women main events. You know, a Hokuto who's who's been, you know, the the best worker uh, of of that era of, of girls. Um, so I, I I think it's it's both, um, but it's certainly not a carry job. Hokuto sells amazing for her, obviously, and she, you know, she really helps make Kandori. Um, but it's not like you know that's exclusively what's happening there. Like Kandori is holding up her end of the bargain for sure, and like you you know. If she wasn't being the aggressor and if she wasn't being this legit badass, you know, it wouldn't matter how well Hokuto is selling for her because there's no sense of believability there. There's no sense of struggle there. There's no, you know, it's it's it takes two to tango. And and yes, you can certainly carry someone to a great match, but I don't know if you can carry someone to like this epic of a match. Like you need someone you need two willing and able dance partners to pull something like this off in my books. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it is, this isn't, these aren't, uh, this is really a pair of very different wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, you know, this isn't a lot of times great matches are, you know, two people who are fit well together, you know, uh, complementary wrestlers right i mean if you like even if you just say look at you know matches and the matches in my book right when you're talking about like jerry lawler and dutch mantel are complementary wrestlers right yeah. they, they they fit you know we got ikeda and ishikawa obviously complementary wrestlers sagre chikana and paraguayo complementary wrestlers these two uh are there's some real friction right they do very different things Right, you yep. know, in their careers, right? Kandori is this, you know, sort of not, you know, not entirely shoot style, but sort of shoot style adjacent, right? And uh, is much more of like a, a grappler and a fighter and has this sort of dangerous thing. Well, Hokuto is somebody who fights, is an emotion and big moves. And I don't think you necessarily would imagine that these two would work as well together, right? This isn't. They, the balance that they find are like two very different tastes working perfectly in a dish, right? It, it, which makes it, I think, is somewhat unique from like you know from your all-time great matches. I, can you think of? 
I just put you on the spot here. Can you think of another great match where the wrestlers are this sort of frictionish with each other? Oh, I'm trying to think now. You did put me on the spot. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question. You, you don't understand what I'm saying with that, right? One hundred percent, yeah. Okay. And I like I like you using the cooking analogy as well of of using you know uh, flavors that you wouldn't necessarily think were complementary to one another to to create something that's that's better than you know the maybe the sum of the two parts, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, I I'm trying to think. I mean, now. I'm sort of just sort of glancing at the list of matches in my book. Maybe Sting Vader. Yeah. Might be somewhat like that, right? But uh, you know, I mean, they. But the, I mean, the problem is those guys worked with each other a lot, right? And, this wasn't and the had just... a, had a lot of very good matches with one another. Like obviously, the strap matches, like their it's kind of their piece of resistance, right? But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about because these two did work together again. There is another singles match, and they obviously they had that really good tag match where the two of them are actually a tag team against. Aja Kong and Bon Nakano later in 94. Um, although uh, n- another of those matches are, are, can hold a candle to this one. But um, um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know what, what a good uh, another uh, example would be. Yeah, so I think it's certainly from the absolute top tier of, of matches ever. I think this is somewhat unique in that sense. Yeah, I think so. I think so. For something that like is held in so high regard, yeah, typically it's, you're quite right, it's complimentary wrestlers both having a really great day uh, is, is what you typically find at the top of, uh, of these kind of uh, lists. Yeah, so it's cool. I, I, you know, I, I, what would you think would how, if you had to book a twenty twenty one version of this match, like who, what would it be? Like if you'd say to yourself, I want to do tw- a twenty twenty one, Kandori Hogue. It doesn't have to be women, or it could be women, right? Like what would be your? I, you know, God, Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey had a really great match. They did have a really that was. I mean, that's, I think, the the clear, I mean, in some ways, the clear uh, 2021 analog, right? I mean, Sasha Banks, I think, probably has watched a lot. I mean, she, I think she is doing Hokuta in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I doubt Ronda Rousey has, has seen Ken Dory, but, but that's like the perfect direct analog for sure. And I think that was my favorite of, of, I mean, Ronda had a lot of good matches in her run, but, uh, um, like you know, she had the good Nia Jax matches, and uh, I mean every match. I, she had a good match with the, like one of the Bella Twins. I mean, she yeah. was she was like her quality of match, uh, like like shooting percentage. Yeah, I mean it's got to be the highest of any wrestler ever, right? Because she just have that many matches. They were all really really good. Maybe I somebody would, like Volkan. I was about like to that. say Volkan, and Volkan's higher. <laughs> yeah, okay, Volkan's higher. Sure. Vol, Vol, Volkan had less than a hundred matches, and I bet you. Um, yeah, not too many of them were, were stinkers. Even oh, I mean, Ronda Rousey had what fifteen? Yeah, I, I mean, did she like work, that. Did she work house shows? I don't know. No, but, I don't think so. Yeah, I bet you she had less than twenty. You're, you're quite right. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Boss Rutten was really great he, for a guy when, who like fed five or something like that's always shoot guys, right? It's always like, well, uh, and that, and that's the thing. Like, we you, it's uh, for me you. Uh, the problem with the the kind of the current 
you know, I, I don't want to use the word renaissance, but the current popularity or trend of, of shoot style in like us independent wrestling is, uh, you know, you can teach, you know, you can take someone who, who really doesn't have a background in it and say, do this and maybe lightning is going to strike and, and you'll, you'll get something good. But so much of what works in that, that 90 shoot style is the guys who could really fight, you know, and, saying like, okay, do what you normally do, but just do it at 80%, you know, and don't actually try to, to knock this guy out or, or tear this guy's arm off. Right. And so that's why it's so, you know, it's so good. It's so realistic. It's, it's so hard fought is because these guys knew what they were doing. And so that's why the kind of the current stuff doesn't really hold a candle to, to a lot of that classic era of shoot style. My work, my work included, you know, that's, I, I don't really like, doing like true shoot style because i don't think i do it that well you know i like elements of it and uh and that's something you know i'm obviously inspired by but uh i'd rather do it within the context of 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 more of a pro wrestling style match not the you know not like rings or something you know so um i I I got off on i got off on a tangent no because i want to i want to go back on that tangent i'm but i i did i do want to answer a question we asked earlier I uh, checked cage match. Ron How Rousey many matches did Ronda Rousey? Seventy, because she did looks like she did work a lot of house shows, a lot wow. of tags. Oh, that a makes lot, sense. That a lot makes of like sense. tags on house shows. I didn't realize they had her working like you know banger main house shows teaming with Nia Jax against Alexis Bliss and Miss Mickey James, but she did like a banger Hartford Boston you know over the course of a three days house show runs. I don't know how much. Time she was getting in those. So how how many matches are your own cage match still? Right yeah, now? I'm on cage match. How many matches in Volcan? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. I think because then I actually do want. I mean, I almost I felt like I needed to do this because I looked it up. But I do want to get back to what you said and talk a little about that because I've got some questions about that. How many of matches course, yeah. in Volcan have I? Maybe maybe Rousey had more. Hold on a second. Uh, Volcan at sixty nine. Wow. Ronda Rousey, one more match than Volkan. That is hysterical. All right. Well, then I take it all back. Because I imagine your your 58th best Volkan match is better than these, like, uh, uh, house show house, tags. House show tags? Yeah. yeah probably. Probably. Um, ah, she, they did, she did a, a European tour where she was working singles against Nikki Bella in, like, Spain and Italy. I remember liking their pay-per-view match. I'm kind of interested to see what they look like working in Italy in a house show. Huh, I'm going to do some Googling on YouTube. Those those European house shows are the things that sometimes do, get put up do on. Do they actually show up like handhelds? Or? Euro, it's like European handhelds are the ones that will more than American ones for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, so maybe, maybe there's less uh, you know security measures and stuff. Yeah. But I want to talk a little about what you just said because you're talk, we're talking about uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but you know we we we, we did a good forty. We, I used to say you we did a good go on tangents on, we the tend to go on tangents on the show. We did a good forty minutes on uh, on on Hokanakindoria. Well, let's talk a little about U.S. Uh, shoot style because there is yes. a lot of it. That's yeah. something I think that's happened a lot in the last four years. And you've not you've never worked blood sport, right? No. Um, but you have worked ambition. I've been in three ambition tournaments. Yeah. Which is the, uh, the world extreme wrestling, 
uh, version of this in Germany. It's actually West Side Extreme West Wrestling, but Excuse yes, me. yeah, West WXW, yeah. They're on the west side of Germany. I think that's what the name is based my, on. But. My bad, WXW. Don't mean to. Uh, uh, don't mean to. Uh, uh, I want to give you guys the flowers you deserve. I was going to say, yeah, they're not. They're not the world. Although they, you know, I wrestled. The, I first wrestled for them in Toronto. So there you go. So that's, maybe that's the world, right? That's, that's that was at the west side of Toronto. Uh, I think it was the north side of Toronto, but okay. Toronto's not the west side of Canada. That's where I live. So, All right, well, there, so you go. there you go. Yeah. So, what did you mention that you don't? Were those? Would you consider those the most shoot style matches that you've wrestled? Yes. Or is there another? So the, it, no, definitely, definitely those. That's where it's just like, you know, you do the knockdowns and and you've got a, a referee giving you a standing eight count and you can only win by submission or or knockout. Um, they don't do like the the UWF style rope break uh, point system or anything like that, which I I think in in 2021 I don't think that works. Uh, I I don't think it it's um, Unless, well, I've seen, uh, a lot of the promotions that do it, you get the sense that they don't actually really. The, the, it's unclear whether the referees, wrestlers, or announcers understand the rules. Yeah, and I don't think the fans do. And yeah. I think like I think you can educate people to it, but like you need to hit people over the head with it. You need graphics up. You need people explaining the psychology of it. You need you know you know like you can't just sort of half-ass like. Oh, they got 15 points, and like, oh, they're down to eight now, and it's like, oh, wait, what? Well, how did that happen? I don't, you know, like, it all happens so quick, too, right? Because so many of these matches nowadays, they go like sub five minutes, um, or even, you know, a lot of the ones. <laughs> it's funny, some of the matches I had for WXW that felt a lot longer than they actually were, you know, like tournament finals that were like they're hard fought matches. You just kind of go, go, go. There's really no rest to be had. And then I come come to find out afterwards. Oh, that was eight minutes. That's all that was, <laughs> you know. Like um, versus, like I definitely prefer. Uh, you know, I love. I, I would love to work something more akin to like uh, the '80s UWF style, where like they had longer matches, um, but the, things were less of a frenetic pace. You know, there were there was a little bit more of a deliberate pace. There was more just kind of mat work and working for holds. And I think. Part of that's because, you know, we, we've, you know, things have evolved so much. They weren't really working like a guard game so much back then either, right? Like that was something that kind of was developed in the 90s. And so the grappling itself is is more, you know, it's different. They just kind of hang out in leg locks a lot, a lot back then as well, for better or worse. So Right. I mean, there were certainly some very, very talented grapplers. I mean, Yoshiaki Fujiwara is my all-time favorite wrestler, and he's... Well, I mean, I've got a bunch, but he's he's in that any discussion I'm going to have my all time favorite wrestlers. He's going to no, be in there, he's gr- and he's great. He's great. But he's you know, absolutely. like because t- guys like Takata and Yamazaki were not master grapplers, and you would definitely see there. There is definitely in some of those matches you'd see this like, all right, it's knee bar time, and they're just going to sit in it and then not really work it. You know, like it's not like they're going to be. I'm going to now attack the ankle. I'm going to now move the fight. It's just kind of like we're going to be in this knee bar for a couple minutes. Well, catch my breath. Yep. Whereas like Fujiwara obviously yeah, is always yeah. going to be like I'm going to look to you know change position I'm going to look to attack here I'm, I'm looking gonna, to advance I'm looking for a finish I'm, I'm looking, looking for something yeah, yeah I'm gonna look which, for my ankle I'm going to look I, for my foot yeah I I love that kind of stuff that's tiring that's the thing right so you're working that kind of style you need to have like a really good gas tank 
to to make that interesting and and to keep up that kind of pace, right? So I can, I can imagine. I mean, I know the. I mean, I I've never done wrestling. Uh, I've done boxing, and I know certainly boxing sparring is just absolutely exhausting. And I, even that's just you know. And so just I imagine that, and that's something usually where you're going to be trying to push a pace and throw a lot of punches and, and just that. I mean, is is as tiring as you're going to get two-minute boxing sparring. So I can imagine eight minutes of constant grappling has got to wear you out. Yeah, it, I, I mean, I've, I've done I've done very little striking training, but what, what I have done is exhausting, and, and I've done certainly done more, uh, you know, grappling training, and, and it's exhausting, and it's um, but, you, you know, you build up a stamina, you know, almost like I, I think I'd have more of a stamina to that than I do certainly to striking, uh, you know, or boxing similarly, you know, like it's very funny. I'll, I'll wrestle someone who's more used to like a modern pro style of wrestling and you can run a bunch of high spots with that person and they're not going to get tired. But if you, you know, do some mat wrestling with them for three minutes and they're just sucking wind, you know? So, uh, you know, cardio is not is not the same across the board, right? It's you build up a resilience to kind of what kind of skill set you know, and so uh, that's why you don't see me running the ropes a whole whole heck of a lot because it's not my skill set, and, and honestly, I, I I it's not what I want to do either. So, but yeah, so you're do you have like an an ambition to go to? Do, would you want to go down to Indiana or something like that and work one of those PPW shows? Or, I would I would do it if if the, the the chance was given for sure I I I um because I think some of that style is good and some of it I I think is not good for like, just just being honest you know like an accurate statement I I have a, I, have a, I, have a, I have a lot of time for it but it is definitely like this is cool this is cool these guys have no business doing this right like, yeah you know, like, and this, like you know this one's pretty interesting that had two cool things and five bad things. And more power to them. Like they're giving these guys a platform that were like a lot of people would not be doing right. Like I don't think a lot of people would be like, Hey, this is what we want to do. You know, like Indiana is pretty central. So you can get, you know, guys, you know, who can do the style, but a lot of the times you just don't have access to the, that kind of talent, you know, like um, even, you know, I, I, Josh Barnett's blood sports, you know, they do a better job of mixing guys who have legit backgrounds with you know pro wrestlers who can work the style but even sometimes they get guys that are sort of like their head scratchers in there you know so it's hard to fill an entire card in such a you know a vast amount of space it's not like japan which is pretty um you know centralized and and <laughs> compact when it comes to like okay i'm sure there's you could do you could do a blood sport in tokyo right now even right now where shoot style's not necessarily in vogue um you know, you got promotions like Gleet and stuff who who have that sort of stuff. But uh, I, you could do a card of that, no no questions asked. I think. Whereas, yeah, like, I, it's interesting. I mean, I you know when I look at the rosters of those promotions, because like MMA is such a thing that's you know way more prevalent and popular now than it was when shoot style pro wrestling was at its peak. Right, there yeah. are so many other guys who you know, had five amateur MMA fights and decided they weren't good enough to do anything like that. I mean, it's, people do train MMA 
way more than they did before. So you do get like on some of the times you get on those uh, like uh, PBW shows, you'll get a guy like Dustin Leonard, who's like a multiple time black belt in jujitsu. Right. Yeah. And it's like kind of, you know, or, or uh, Garini, uh, you know, similarly, who's got a, you know, a, a, who's got a legit background. Yeah. You do have guys with legit background. Or even guys sure. who are just like, you know, yeah, I fought four amateur MMA fights and then decided I want to do pro wrestling instead and can kind of, you know, do that a little bit too. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think, I, I, you know, I always think sometimes with those PWA shows, like guys have too many uh, ideas. You know, like, oh, if you, you get six ideas and if you had three ideas, this would have been a great match. <laughs> you yep. need all six of your ideas in this four-minute match. It's too oh, and, many that, ideas. and that's, I mean, that's <laughs> similar to, you know, like you, you can translate that to a 20-minute pro-style match, right? If people are trying to cram too many ideas, right? That's just... Uh, well, too I, many ideas is the curse of, I think, modern professional wrestling, right? I think it is a lot of people have, you know, grown up, uh, who are in wrestling now were like men like you were in some ways though I don't think you're necessarily cursed with this like guys who were tape traders yep. who've watched you know all of these wrestling from all around the world and then you know have all this you know ideas of all these things that they want to do I mean you know I, Dick Slater didn't have all these ideas of things he wanted to do no, right? like Dick Slater just did what he did right like that's you know, true it's not like you Dick Slater was like oh man god I I saw this Dragon Gate match, and there's like, these four spots that I really want to stick in the middle of this match somewhere, right? Like, you know, it's like, Dick Slater's like, no, I blew my knee out, so I couldn't, uh, couldn't play semi-pro baseball or something like that. So then somebody told me I should be a wrestler. <laughs> I do that thing. And, you know, I think that I think that, that is sort of the problem a lot of times in, in wrestling now. So, you know, these guys are like, oh, yeah, you know, I've... I got to do these, you know, these 15 things I saw. Yeah. And, you know, and it's better if they just do the cup to three things. Um, I, so. I, I'm, I mean, anyone who has worked with me can tell you that I, I am always, always a bevy of ideas. Uh, I, 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 I watch a decent amount of tape. I, I'm always writing down things and, and trying to, you know, translate them to how, how does it suit, you know, this particular match. Uh, I do my best to do things within uh, within reason and to uh, to be moderate uh, with things. You know, not not try to cram things in just because this would be cool. But you know, if something doesn't suit the match, then I'm not going to try and uh, you know jam a, a square peg into a round hole. But um, but but on occasion, like I yeah, I'm I'm just as bad as my contemporaries <laughs> when right. it comes to. I mean, no, look, I I I'm DMing you. Hey, watch this thing from the 17 minutes of this French match from 1862. You should you should steal this Vasilios Montetanopoulos spot. I was going to say those guys did a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, back those guys then, did an incredible too. amount of stuff. They do some crazy stuff. Yeah, I'm. I. I mean, I, we talked about this. Like, I'm. I'm very interested to see what the genesis of that style coming there is, and and the similarities that it, it shares with. Uh, with like lucha i i think there's there's got to be some connection there but uh yeah i mean i don't know who knows about this stuff any more than uh you know the, i mean we've been watching it so we know about the stuff we watch but and there is some historical stuff about it but yeah, obviously that's a, a, a period of the world that has not been covered uh by 
you know, to nearly the extent that Japan no, and Mexico No, like, are. I wonder if there's any, like, you know, like, French historians who've written about it, you know, not in English, but... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. I, I, for folks that are just listening to this pod and aren't Segunda Caída hardcores, every Tuesday on Segunda Caída we do... Uh, we, we acquired uh, through Hook and, or Crook the uh, French archives, uh, television archives of their professional wrestling. And we're kind of parceling it out a couple matches a week. We've been doing that for about a year. And that's, you know, all of this. We talked, we were talking about this, you know, guys who are doing a lot of things. That was, that was, and some of that stuff kind of almost resembles like go, go 90s Joshi wrestling, right? Like, uh, some of it doesn't, some of it resembles this. I mean, that's yep. kind of the cool thing about it is in, in some ways, I think I didn't really ever think about this till right now, but I think there is somewhat of an analogy between the way French wrestling has worked in 1990s all Japan women as where because you did have that sort of variety of like lightweights who worked this incredibly intricate, fast, work rate heavy style, uh, stuff that you cannot believe is uh is 60 or 70 years old when you watch it like this doesn't make any sense this looks like i'm watching a scramble match from like an indie show with the of the stuff they're doing and then you've got guys who are going to be working this much more like punishing hard-hitting physical slow grinding violent style like a hoda like a kandori like a aja kong and then sometimes a mix of the two sometimes guys you know those Really athletic, fast matches will turn into fist fights by the end of it. Um, so folks are yeah, folks it, are interested. All that stuff, you know. Just go back on Segunda Caída and do a search for French Catch, and we've been, you know, reviewing all that for. And we're still gonna. We still got a fair amount of it left to do, uh, which should be pretty cool. Um, you know, a lot more stuff going into the '60s and '70s, uh, which we have and we'll, we'll be putting out there. Um, but yeah, you, I think it's you, interesting. I do think that is kind of like out and think about it, that's really all Japan womenish. It, it, it is a it's a pretty direct uh, analogy, actually. That that is kind of wild how that how that works. But uh, and, and and then yeah, I don't know if you get any matches like uh, like Hokuto Kandori back back then. But uh, I mean, there's some blood. Uh, you know, well, you have a match in the book, right? I have a match in the book, yeah. And, then, and if I do a sequel to the book, I, there's a couple other ones I've seen. Uh, since then that have some blood but you don't really see anything like this i mean whatever you don't see anything like this i mean this is this is a unicorn right this is all this is all timer yeah i mean i don't know where it's not like oh i don't really know french catch has a hoka kidori who has a hoka kidori outside of hoka kidori right (laughs) like i mean there are other incredible matches this isn't my favorite match ever but i don't know for something like this i don't know if this has any direct antecedents right like no. I, I just don't know for very specifically the way that this is worked. I, I can't think of anything that like honestly, like I, I talked about this last time we, we came on, like the idea of, of of having matches as like a genre exercise, but like I you know, I, I think I would need the right time and place, but like I would love to have a match like this that kind of mixes elements of shoot style and brawling and and like big big near fall kickouts at the end and all the drama. Like I just I just think it's really uh, it's just really intricate and, and masterful and and it's inspiring honestly to, i mean you'd have to be kandori right i yeah i think so i think so <laughs> i mean i, I don't know if i, I mean I, I don't know if you it's god it's it's tough i mean so much part of that is that just 
violence that she does. And I, you know, I've, I have a fan of your stuff in it, but I don't know if I ever thought, oh my God, Dan Deal's going to kill this person. Uh, I gotta, I gotta up, I gotta up the ante. That's, that's, we're setting, we're setting the, <laughs> the gauntlet. We're I mean, yeah, maybe that's, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned to me that you're gonna, I mean, we'll get to the plugs point of this at some point. I mean, we've been gone for about an hour, so we're getting somewhat near the end of the, yeah, the road sure. here. But uh, you, that you're gonna be, you got some, you got two more matches, then you're gonna take some time off to rest your body. Before uh, jumping full force into 2022 wrestling, maybe you have to figure out. I mean, if you're Kandori, who's your I got to figure out who my Hokuto is. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's... who would be like? Who would have that kind of? Who in the indies that you would have worked could have that level of? Uh, I mean, it's God. You can't find a Hokuto, but I mean, I'm trying to think of like. Uh, we can't find a Kandori either. Well, I'm we also but, not Kandori. No, so. I'm trying to think if we're trying to do that, if we're trying to fantasy book Hoka to Kandori out of your opponents that you've worked with a lot of wrestlers over the years, do you have somebody you think could could do a, a, a you know, a, a, a 70% Hoka to your 70% you know, you know, Kandori? Like, I don't know if it's a, it's, a, it's a close enough, but like someone who's, who's uh, one of my best friends in, in the business who I've had a, a very good match with, and I think we've got an even better match in us. And and I, I could see us doing something uh, akin to this. Is is Kevin Koo? That's someone who uh, uh, and uh, he's someone who's improved a ton in the last year or two. So I would I would love to do something along the lines with him. So okay, who is gonna who's gonna Blake Koo on the outside? Oh, I guess I guess it'll have to be Dom, right? Dom right. will be there. That's his partner. Dom so. is certainly stupid. And yes. would, you know, like, I mean, like, <laughs> not, I mean, not, I mean, I meant that in the best possible way. I'm not trying to impute his intelligence as a person, know, but he's I, is not afraid to do incredibly dumb shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I can see them bickering about it after the fact because those two are so funny together. So, yeah, no, that'd be great. All right. Well, promoters who are listening to this, I don't know if any promoters listen to this. I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll I'll tell promoter friends of mine to listen to this. So okay. That, you know, we've got you've got, we here we've go. We've got, we're at some point in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. I don't know if uh, I. I'm, I was going to say I'm getting old. Let's do it in twenty twenty two. I'm getting old. You just told me you were inspired by my writing when you were a teenager. Yeah, you, fuck you were in your twenties though. You weren't. You're not that much older than me. <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, I would definitely have. I definitely feel like I may be on the other side of this all. Although you know, like, like I have young kids, so that kind of keeps you keeps you exactly, active and exactly, moving a little. Exactly. Bit. I got. I. I mean, yeah, I've got. I've got nothing along those lines. So yeah, mm-hmm. but I do. I. I am. I am motivated. I. I like working with young talent. You know, I've had some of my favorite matches all all year with, you know, some people who are like. 12 15 years younger than me so it's that's crazy that you know it's nice to know that i can still keep up with people and and have you know what i think are are some of my best matches ever in in this year so that's is that your you know post post covid return do you think you were this is the peak of you as a performer i don't know if i'm at the peak but i don't think it's i don't think it's been a hard drop off like I mean, there uh, there was a couple, you know, matches during real in the 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 heat of COVID where uh, I, I'm, you know, full admission. I'm not happy with my performances, and I, I put on a bunch of weight, and it negatively affected me for sure. Um, but subsequently, I lost that weight, and uh, I'm getting back to where I need to be. And uh, you know, uh, I think I think the tail end of 2021, like it's funny, I'm going to end up. 
having 27 matches this year. And in 2020, I also had 27 matches. And it's just 2020, most of them were front-loaded in you know January, February, and March. And in 2021, most of them are going to be back-loaded from you know, September onwards kind of thing. Um, I, I, I think my output in the back half of 2021 is better than it was in the beginning of 2020. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with where, where I am. And I think I'm going to get um, some really amazing opportunities in 2022 to show that I'm, I am, uh, you know, the, the, the kind words that you said about me to start this podcast off. I am, uh, I may at times a very skilled, uh, independent professional wrestler. So, so let's, let's do some plugs, uh, here at the end of this pod before we, uh, call it a, a day. Like I said, call, I'm sure it's sure. Like I said, we'll, I, I'm, I did about 30 pods before I was able to, before I started repeating guests. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, doing the math on that, I probably am going to have you back at least one more time. Yeah, and I gave you a list of matches to choose from. So there's two other ones that we could, uh, we could talk about one, one of which I have a history with, I guess, sort of because I wrestled one of the guy's fathers. So, um, Jesus, but, what uh, match is that? The, um, uh, Candice Lupus versus uh, Trauma uh, oh, versus right. Masters of Mask. Okay, yeah. well, that's of course. I was like, what, whose father? What are you talking father? about? Yeah, but wrestled, now, of course, I, you're talking, you I wrestled Negro Navarro. Negro Navarro, yeah. And his son is Trauma. Got it. All right, well, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, you know, check back in four, four or five months. I'll hold that one well, off yeah, for we'll, you. We'll come, I mean, we'll I don't think I, I Trauma, I, you know, Trauma is not returning my DMs. So I'm <laughs> like, Candice Lupus, I keep trying to reach out to Candice Lupus. He doesn't get back to me, so I, I don't have oh, well, any. You, he's got two matches in the book. Too. That's true. So, Candace Lewis. Although one, one of them you've already discussed, right? Right, yeah. I did. I think he'd probably the most obscure person. Him or Wotan would be your most obscure people who have double matches in the book, I think. I was going to say, who are you going to get to talk about the Junkyard uh, Seven Way or whatever? I don't know. I'll probably have my buddy Bucky do that or something. That'd be, that'd be perfect, actually. He's, uh, you know, he's exactly. One of those goofs. Um, <laughs> just, um, all right, so let's, let's get your plugs in. Uh, um, yeah, this um, is coming out. I'm putting this out in a couple of days. So why don't you, you, you said you have two more matches lined up before you're going to take a bit of a, uh, uh, yeah. a, a winter break. From so, wrestling. so, uh, as of, uh, yeah. So this match, uh, this will be coming out in a couple of days. Um, if you're hearing this on a Thursday, when this comes out, uh, this coming Sunday, I'll be wrestling, uh, in Everett, Washington for a company called without a cause, uh, against a wrestler named Carlos Romo from Spain, who I've wrestled once previously. Um, we wrestled in Sheffield, England, actually. And our previous match is on YouTube, and it's a very good match. And I'm hoping to uh, have another very good match with him. He's uh, someone who uh, I think I work very well with, and we uh, we get along very well. So, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, that will eventually hit YouTube, one, uh, you know, maybe two, three weeks after the match happens. Uh, and then coming up January 15th in Portland, Oregon, uh, you can see me wrestle Davey Richards uh, for DOA Wrestling, um, which that's that's a big one. That's uh, that's not someone I certainly ever expected I would be wrestling in my life. But uh, 
Um, and that will that will hit IWTV eventually. And I'm pretty sure Eric is actually coming to Portland to to see that show. So Eric, a notorious Davy Richard super fan. So I don't know. I, I think he tweeted. I think he tweeted that I'm one of the two people he'd be willing to watch Davy Richard wrestle. But um, I'm not. I mean, to be fair to Davy Richard, I'm, I'm looking forward to the match. I think. I haven't seen David Richards wrestle in a long time. I don't know what he is doing. What 2021 David Richards looks like. He's certainly somebody with a lot of you're gonna have, physical You're going to have talent. to watch him wrestle me in 20... You're going to have to wrestle him watch, uh, or watch him wrestle me in 2022. I certainly will enthusiastically check that out. I'll be interested. That's, that's, uh, I mean, you know, David Richards is a guy who's got some moments. I could see him doing, you guys doing something interesting together. I, I think it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, that's, those are the two on the books. I'm going to take a little time off and then, uh, I'll come back strong and, uh, uh for the spring. And, uh, uh, if you're not following me already, please, uh, do so on, on your various forms of social media at Daniel Makabe, D A N I E L M A K A B E. Uh, and yeah, read Phil's writing, listen to the podcast. You're obviously listening to it now, but, uh, but if you somehow were brought to this podcast by, by the fact that you saw that I was on it this week, um, yeah, listen to the podcast. It's one of my, my weekly listens and, and read Segunda Caida. You can not only read about all the various French catch, but, uh, Phil and Eric, uh, sometimes write about my matches, which I, I greatly appreciate, uh, as well as all sorts of other interesting wrestling going on. Oh, so geez. Well, I appreciate the, 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 the fire back plug. Yes. Please read Segunda Please buy my book. If you have a, if you've come from Daniel and I didn't know that I have a book, uh, way of the blade, hundred of the greatest bloody matches in professional wrestling history, which is available on Amazon. Um, I should have some writing in a in much bigger a much bigger venue, which should be available when this drops. But I don't want to jinx it by saying anything about it right now. But uh, I'll certainly be follow me on Twitter, and I'll let you know where you can read uh, me uh, on on uh, on bigger platforms uh, soon. And, uh, Dale, you know, man, I always love talking to you, buddy. So this was great. I really this appreciate awesome. you doing I, this. Just remind me, I, I have one last plug I'd like to sneak in, actually. Just, yeah. I, I meant to mention, and I'm going to send you this, but, um, there's a, uh, an artist friend of mine who's a, an amazing painter from Portland, Oregon. Her name is Helen Hunter. And she does oil paintings of 90s Joshi wrestling. And I have a painting on my wall. I will send you a picture of, of, of a bloody Akira Hokuto from this match. Holy that, hell, I didn't know that, that. That she did, and she does commissions. She's on Instagram, so um, and she's a, she's someone who I consider a, a friend of mine, and uh, I just met her because I found her artwork, and then uh, I convinced her to come to, to a local show in Portland and, and sell me a painting and come watch me wrestle, and now she's... Uh, She's a friend, and she's uh, she's a fixture at all the local shows. So yeah, and and her artwork's amazing. So oh, that's great. Maybe we'll put uh, we'll put a definitely put if it's okay with her, put up a picture of that painting on Twitter. Maybe I'll put it up on Instagram. I was say, I'm, I I own it. It's my painting. It's on oh, my wall. So. That's a good point. Yeah, fuck, fuck her. Who cares? <laughs> oh, and, I, and, we're, and we're we're the plugs are, are are spiraling here. But I I have to to plug your new T shirt. Oh um, yes, which is by. Uh, uh, the art is by Chris Bryant, who of course did the art for the book. Um, and is, uh, the, the t-shirt looks awesome. It's a, you putting the cattle mutilation on 
on somebody is it is a specific person or it's 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 jeremy wyatt yeah actually which i don't know if you've watched i had two matches with him this year but two of my best matches i've had all year i think you guys would really like those matches actually so i will put them on my list yeah um but yeah so that that you can get that t is i know you your sort of deal is you you do these runs of shirts and then they go away forever right they go away forever. I, I printed a fair amount of override. I probably printed 20 extras of this shirt because of how much I love the design. So I, I have, uh, yeah, from size small up to double X, DM me if you're interested, and uh, and I can ship it literally anywhere. So. All right. Dan, yeah. thanks a lot for coming on. We will be back next week with another episode of Way of the Blade.